Hey, well, happy Sunday. How we doing? We are inside. Woo. It's good to be back in the house. Uh, hey, let's stand up together. We have one other new thing going on. You may have noticed it as you walked in, but uh, we are, I think, how do the kids say it? We are on the internets. Now, is that how they say it? Uh, so we are uh, live streaming. If all is going well, we are live streaming right now to those that aren't able to make it to our service, which is completely new. So you'll see some new technology in uh, the room here. And uh, don't be freaked out by it. It truly is just to get the gospel message outside these doors and to be able to connect and minister to those that, that can't be here. It's a pretty amazing thing. And I think that's something just worth celebrating because that's not something we had and God provided. God just brought that into being. He brought volunteers to do it. So let's just give him just praise this morning because he did that. Uh, and then let's worship our great God together. Okay, let's put our hands together. Bow to him, amen. Sing it out. Nations bow, mountains shake at the sound of just one name over all. Jesus reigns. We're convinced. I know. Sing it out. Nations bow, mountains shake.
lift up praise to him. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and all who dwell therein. Amen. He is the Lord over all. He is sovereign over all. He is the King of glory. And we rest in his power. We rest in his strength. We sing it out to him in praise. There is a King of glory. There is a God who saves. One who is strong and mighty. Freedom is in his name. Freshwater, good to see you this morning. How about it? Yeah. Good to see you guys online. Uh, the word in the Greek, there's this word that happened in Acts. It's called diaspora or diaspora. Depends on how you like to say your eyes there in the Greek. The word means to be dispersed, to be separated, or to spread out. Not separated, but spread out. And it happened when the church started to be persecuted, and it just was spread out of North Africa, the Middle East, Southern Europe, and up into Europe itself. And where we are now as a church is we're spread out. We've got people at home. Uh, I don't know if we've got people in the cars out in the parking lot. If you are, you can honk. Yeah, we can't hear you. Um, but anyway, we're, we're spread out, right? So you're home now, and, and this is us now, right? So the goal really wasn't to get back in the building. It, it's kind of weird. We started off that way, but now the goal is let's worship where Christ has put us and where we are, whether we're at home or whether we're in here or we're somewhere else in the States. And so we want to say, hey, welcome. Uh, good to see you here. We're going to be worshiping God just like we've always been doing. So we got a cool story here. Everybody say hi to Shane. So uh, Shane, talk to us. Uh, you were out mountain biking, something like that, something right in the Himalayas, something I don't know, like that. Last spring, though, you were you were in a you were biking, and tell us the story of what God did. Yeah. So earlier this year. Okay, hold on. You have like the coolest voice, doesn't he? Like, say that again. You're like, hello. I mean, it's just like, sorry. Just you're, keep talking. It's just such a radio voice. I know. No, you're great. Tell us the story. No. So I was out. Uh, out riding early spring, ended up having a bike wreck. Uh, with that wreck, ended up doing some damage to my shoulder and really had limited mobility. It was, it was enough, uh, enough pain that it was difficult dressing. Uh, like you couldn't lift your arm? I couldn't lift, yeah. no, not at all. So, so putting on a shirt in the morning, extremely painful. Uh, that went on for months. Got to the point where I went two to three months without even being able to sleep at night. Didn't matter how I laid, it was always just very uncomfortable. Uh, and then finally got to the point uh, that uh, one Wednesday night during our men's group. Like a month ago? Like a month ago, yeah. Three, three months in, about a month ago, month and a half ago during men's group, I asked for the guys to pray for it. Uh, I had gotten to the point that I, I was literally planning, if nothing changed, I would end up going to the doctor during the winter, see if I needed to have surgery, whatever else. Uh, the guys ended up uh, praying that night. Uh, whenever we walked out of the church that evening, uh, shoulder felt good. Uh, actually felt good. Uh, I was 
you know, still in my mind, I'm like, well, maybe, maybe not. I'm sitting here. I'm not really laying on it, but uh, I did sleep well that night, and I've slept well every night since. So the shoulder is healed. Right? Like, right? Yeah. Come on. Yeah. (laughs) So God is good. It's crazy. Like, it was, I mean, you were in bad shape. And then all of a sudden, hey, we pray, and God heals, right? And it's well. Come on. It's well. Come it's on. good. Yeah. So thanks. Hold on. Up on the screen, uh, freshwater, I mean, why we exist, you see those arrows there at the bottom of the screen. Why we exist is to glorify God. That's why we exist. And we glorify him by connecting with him, our relationship with him and connecting to his family and connecting to his mission to this world. And, and what does that look like? The vision, the picture is disciples making disciples. And where God's presence is in us and flowing out of us to transform this world. That, that's it. That, that's what we're about. And this is just a story of that. That's what this is. And uh, we just wanted to share that with you because there's no pastor at that meeting. It's just the priesthood, right? It's us filled with the presence of God, praying for each other, and God's working. So uh, thanks for coming up, man. Really appreciate that. We got more stories, but uh, let's keep praising God. Some trust in chariots, others in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord. Let's stand together. There's only one name that causes the nations to bow, the mountains to shake. It's the name of Jesus. We want to repeat that uh, that bridge together. Let's sing it with me. And nations bow, the mountains shake. At the sound of just one name, over all, Jesus reigns unknown. Let me sing that again. Praise, praise to him. And nations bow, mountains shake at the sound. Just one day over all Jesus reigns. Just rest his sovereignty, his power. I want to sing that one more time to him. And nations bow, mountains shake at the sound of just one name. Over all, Jesus reigns. And nations bow, mountains shake at the sound.
There's a guy on staff that uh, almost every time I ask him how he's doing, and some of you may know who says this, I don't want to name him by name, but uh, I'll ask him, how are you doing? And he'll say, God is good. Every single time. And I thought this week, he said, he's, since I've known him, that's what he says. And I, it just struck me this week that that's what I want to say. Like that's when I'm going through a valley or when I'm on the mountaintop, I want to come back to that refrain. God is good. Like it doesn't matter the season. It doesn't matter what's come. God is good. And when I'm young or when I'm old or when I'm right in the middle, God is good. Like, I want that to be my refrain over and over and over again. Um, he's a, that person's just such an inspiration. He's such a, he's just a, uh, someone that I look up to, and I, I love how simple that truth is um, to live and really hold on to. Uh, well, now that we've kicked up in here, we have other things that are going to be kicking up in the church. So I just want to take you through a couple of things that will be going on here over the next month. Uh, if you are new or uh, maybe you've been at Freshwater for a little bit, but you're still getting to know the church, we have a class coming up that's just for you. It's called Freshwater Basics, and it's on October 25th. Uh, you can catch some information about that on the website, and you can also sign up there. But what this, what this class does is it's going to take you through our DNA as a church. It's who we are, what we believe, uh, and just it really is an onboarding process. It lets you get used to us and maybe see if uh, you want to stay here and be a part of our family, which we would love. Uh, another thing that's going on is our kids' ministry during the week is going to be starting up, too. There's a uh, ministry for first through sixth grade boys and girls. The girls are called GEMS, and then the boys' class is called Trail Life USA. Uh, and so if you have a first through sixth grader, you're going to want to be a part of that because they're pretty incredible programs. They happen on Wednesday nights, and they'll be starting up in the middle of the month on the 21st. You can also sign up for that on our website at thefreshwater.church. The last thing that we want to highlight is our women's ministry is going to have a drive-through event at the end of this month where you're going to drive through you can get coffee, you can get prayed for. It's just an opportunity to connect uh, with some ladies that are there who would love to connect with you. And so if you want to be a part of that same thing, you can, you can stop at our website. Now, there's also something new in our lobby. You might have noticed there's a really bright orange wall out there. And after service, if you go there, that's our next steps station. And you can go there. There will be people waiting there who would love to answer your questions, love to uh, lead you to whatever you're looking to do uh, and get you information about that. So you can stop in there. I think Pastor Sean will be there and probably some others as well. Uh, the last thing we want to do in this segment is we want to, uh, we, we typically, because we're a Christian and Missionary Alliance a ch church, we want to highlight international workers that we support and pray for them. And so uh, there is a man named Ken Kutzel. He's, he, was, he grew up in our church. Uh, his parents go here. And he's over in a country called Niger. Uh, he is an international worker there as a teacher. Uh, he is, uh, he's just a, a part of a, a school there. He teaches uh, different, uh, different classes. And uh, we want to pray. They have gone through not just uh, the pandemic, but they've gone through a season of flooding over there that's been really bad for their school. And so um, the, a lot of the facilities are pretty messed up from the water. Uh, they're trying to figure out how are they supposed to get school kicked up and started? How do we find facilities that can work for us? And then what do we do with the facil facilities that we have that are uh, in trouble, you know, that are damaged? Um, they have a lot of decisions that they're trying to make uh, so that they can uh, just continue to, to teach and, and minister to the people of that culture. And so we just want to take time to stop and just to pray for them, to lift them up before our sovereign king. Uh, and bring to them, uh, bring them before the Lord. So uh, there are ways that you can pray for them that I think are up here. Uh, you may want to take a picture of that so that you can pray for them during the week, but we're just going to begin to go before the Lord for those things.
God, there is no one like you. Seated high, not just on an earthly throne, but Lord, on a kingly, heavenly throne. There's no power like your power. And God, we worship you high and lifted up, seated upon the throne, worthy and holy. Because, Lord, there's nobody like you. There's nobody like you in the way that you can be in all places, Lord. That even as you're meeting with us this morning, Lord, and guiding us by your spirit, Lord, you're with Ken. You're with his companions. So, Lord, we just ask your presence with them. We ask that your spirit would be anointed among them, that you would just rise up among them, Lord. And as you do, Lord, would you give them wisdom for their buildings? Would you give them wisdom and help as they try to figure out what a school year looks like? Would you give them guidance just from you, Lord? Heavenly wisdom. For the teachers coming in who don't have homes, Lord, we're asking, would you please provide, Lord? Where there is no way and where there is no door, would you open a door? Would you make a way? Lord, you can do it because there is no one like you, God. I know Ken uh, hasn't. Open your word in fresh ways to him. Gather other people around him who have your spirit, Lord. Encourage him and strengthen him. And Lord, we just ask. Empower him, Lord, for the work that you have for him there. The languages that he's learning, Lord, would you expedite that? Would you make it a quick process? Who is like you, Lord? You can do that. We surrender just in, in agreement with Ken as he's surrendered his life to be there, Lord. We surrender with him, Lord, and just say, would you take their work? Would you empower for the kingdom? pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So we're going to continue in this uh, series here on how then shall we, I think we've got several different variations of this waiver saying it, how shall we then live? How do we, what are we doing? How do, I don't know. So it comes from a philosopher. If you're joining with us, you're new either here in the room or online. It comes from a philosopher, Francis Schaeffer, his book called How Shall We Then Live? And, and it's the idea of, of him chronicling history and seeing what happens when cultures go through philosophy and, and changes and the implementation of a philosophy and what it does. And it follows the rise and decline of, of several different empires and what happens. History ends up repeating history, or history ends up repeating itself, right? And so he was writing this book back in the late 60s, early 70s, and saying, uh, if you follow history, what's going to be happening is this. And he starts to just chart the future of America, not as a prophet, uh, but just as a historian and a philosopher saying, well, this is what will happen because this is what philosophy does and how it impacts a culture and a nation. 
And so we've been in this series talking about how shall we then live in light of what's going on and really the shifts, the massive shifts that we've been seeing happen even just recently in our nation, what they're struggling with. And today we're going to talk about this idea of persecution. And my wife and I, JoLynn, we actually had the privilege to uh, listen to uh, Dr. Elliot Tenpenny. He's a lead, he was the lead director or person over um, Samaritan's Purse who went and set up the field hospital in uh, Grand Central Park. I don't know if you guys remember that back when COVID was breaking out and you saw the white tents on the park. He was, Elliot was the guy who was in Manhattan meeting with the city officials, meeting with state officials, trying to coordinate with Mount Sinai, who was really involved heavily with the whole effort of trying to, you know, rescue Manhattan, as it were. And he was in these meetings, and he, he described this one meeting he was in where all the city officials were there, everybody, all the, the power brokers were in the room, and there were people just yelling at him, yelling at him coming against them in just an antagonistic manner. And it was, it was over. I mean, I, when he was describing it, it's like, oh my goodness, how do, you, how do you do this? And it was because he was a Christian. He followed Christ. That, that's, that's what it was about. It wasn't anything about, hey, we got to rescue lives. This, is, this person was out to get him. And the meeting gets done, and he talked about this moment where two people came up to him and said, how do you do this? And they weren't Christians, but they were like, how do you do this? I'm exhausted, and, and you know, this meeting wasn't even antagonistic to me. I'm exhausted after this meeting, and yet we were watching you, and it seemed as the meeting went on, you got stronger and stronger. And how do you, how do, you do this, or how does this happen? And he just said, it's, it's Christ. It's Jesus in us. And uh, it was an amazing moment where I'm hearing this story and realizing that um, here's someone who was ready for that moment, someone who had thought about it, someone who had prepared for it. Jesus, in John 15, it's, it's the... ...this to the disciples. He said, look, if the world hates you, Know that it hated me for, before, you, before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word I said to you, no servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Peter also wrote this in his first letter, chapter 4. He says this, Beloved believers, don't be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. The most important thing we can understand here as we start to look at what's happening now in our country and what's going to be happening more and more is this. Persecution is the normal Christian life. It's normal. It's not strange. It's not an outlier. It is the Christian life. And the question that you and I have to think through is how shall we then live with persecution? We have to prepare for this. And if you don't, if I don't, we won't be able to stand. It won't make sense. 
it won't have a rational explanation because it comes out of an antagonism that's born not of this world, but it's, it's born of something that is spiritual. I don't know about you, but when I hear stories about persecution, something often happens to me, like even just recently with Niger and reading about that, and just uh, Christians being killed, or just stories that we've heard throughout uh, history and just even recent around the world. And not only there, but here, but I can find myself, uh, there's, there's different reactions that I have, right? Sometimes it's anger, sometimes it's fear. And, and when you read even this, this first night, right, Jesus is saying, hey, this is going to happen. What does Peter do? Peter, when, the, when people come to arrest Jesus, Peter gets out a sword, right? He, he wants to fight. He wants to take revenge. He wants to protect the cause. He wants to take up a sword. Cuts off a guy's ear. Jesus says, no, that's, that's not how we do it. No, no, put the sword away. We don't need the shiny object. Like, put that away. Hours later, Peter's facing this question, do you follow Christ? And what does he say three times? No. Why? Because he's scared. Now he's scared. First he's angry. First he's ready to take the kingdom by force with the sword. The next time, and a few minutes later, he's ready to run, and he does run three different times. And then when it dawns on him what he's done, then he's filled with shame. Match my violence to, with violence, uh, run, hide. I, I don't know. If you and I haven't thought this through, we'll probably do one or the other or both. So my question is, how then shall we live with persecution, and are you ready to? Jesus uh, once told a story as he was preparing his disciples to think through this, and it's a story, it's a famous story of four different soils. One seed, which is this good news about Jesus, the four soils that it gets thrown into or, you know, whatever cast towards are, represent people, souls, Right? And he, he describes different people and what happens when the seed, the good news of Jesus, lands on them. And the one I want to focus in on here in Matthew 13 is the hard soil. And he says this. He says, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some of the seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. And Jesus later on goes on to explain this rocky soil. And he says, as for the, what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away or she falls away. And Jesus, in this metaphor, this parable, says, look, if your roots don't grow deep, your faith will get scorched in persecution. It's going to get scorched. It won't survive. If you and I don't have deep roots, our faith will be scorched by persecution. And so what does it look like to send roots deep? I think that's how we should live now and in the future as we think about persecution coming. And the first idea is this in John 17. He says this, look, 
He's praying to the Father. He says, I've given them, right? I've given them your word. The world has hated them, Father, because they're not of this world, just as I'm not of the world. I do not ask that you would take them out of the world, but that you would keep them from the evil one. They're not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. Sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. Here's, here's uh, several ideas about how to send our roots deep, roots deep into Christ, our faith deep, so it would survive. The first one is to realize that God will not take us out of persecution. He guarantees it. And he teaches this idea that he will allow us to experience persecution. If you've not wrestled with your concept of God and that he would let us stay in persecution, your faith, your faith will be scorched. You won't know what to do with it when persecution comes. And you have to understand it comes from Christ because Christ himself was sent and God the Father did not rescue him from it. Jesus said, Lord, if it's your will, would you, would you take this? Father, would you take this cup from me? And the Father didn't. He let him go to the cross and die for us to suffer. That's our, that's our Father. God the Father will allow us to be persecuted. And yet he's good. And we see 2,000 years of church history where God the Father and the Son and the Spirit allowed his people to suffer. And you and I have to wrestle through that and understand that God is good and he's loving. We have to send our faith deep into that. Not only that, you, you see in this conversation he has with the Father, this request, would you keep them from the evil one? You know, as you read through Jesus' life, uh, you see this consistent theme of him encountering the demonic realm. Actually, Satan himself came to try to derail Christ, to destroy this ministry and the plan that was in place. You see his life, you read through the New Testament over and over again, the church encountering the demonic. In all the letters, there's so many references to this war that we're in. Paul says it so famously when he says, look, our, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers, against the powers, against the authorities, against the spiritual realm of Satan. If we don't understand who we're fighting against and what this war is about, we'll end up making people our enemy. I don't know about you, but um, sometimes when I read these stories, I start daydreaming. It just pulls me into Scott's little daydream world. I don't know if you guys have this happen where you read a story and all of a sudden I'm there and I'm rescuing people and I'm bringing justice. And, and somehow I'm more muscular and somehow I know how to fight. Like I've never won a fight in my life. I, I've never been in the army. I don't even, I've never been in the military. I, I mean, you wouldn't want me pointing a gun right now. I mean, I don't know how to do all that stuff, but in my daydreams, I'm the world's most lethal asset. I have skills that no one else has, uh, right? And I find myself in the middle of these things fighting, and, and, and I'm killing people out of justice, right? 
like I'm, I'm winning the war, and I, I snap out of it. My heart rate's up. I'm breathing heavy, and I'm like, what in the world? Anybody else? Maybe? Yeah, first service had a little more honesty than you guys. I don't know about you watching online. Oh, maybe it's, it's and, and there's other times where I'm, I'm just pulled in, and I, I've got my family. I've got my kids. I've got my wife, and it's not... It's not anger, it's not I'm going to save the world, it's I'm filled with fear. I'm filled with fear, I'm separated, what's going to happen to them, and just all the ways that my brain, and then my blood pressure's up, and I'm done, and I'm breathing heavily, I'm like, what in the world? Like, and the enemy, the, the enemy is not a man, and it's not a woman, it's Satan. It, it isn't. And this, this world would teach us that we need to hate. And we need to we make people pay. And, and we need to take it in our own hands. Or, and what Christ would have us understand is, is this. Our, our battle, it is a spiritual thing we are fighting. It is, it has, it, it always will be a spiritual battle. It's never against men and women. Send our roots deep into this. God will let us experience persecution. This persecution is a spiritual battle. When you look at how the church was dispersed throughout North Africa, the Middle East, and Europe, there was, it was interesting, there was a purpose to it, even, even as that was happening. Paul wrote to, to Timothy, this, this young pastor, he said, look, remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel for which I'm suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word isn't changed. Therefore, listen to this purpose that he, that pulls him, that sits his roots deep. He says, therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. So another piece that helps us as we start to live in persecution is this idea and this reality, this purpose, that when we are persecuted, when it comes, we have this awareness of what's going on around us with the other people. Who doesn't know Christ? Who, who here in this place, who here is coming against me that doesn't know him? You can always tell the Christian who has deep roots because they're always worried about the salvation of somebody else even their enemies. Paul wrote in, in, in Philippians, he says, hey, look, um, I think it's chapter two. He, he talks about this, but hey, look, we're rejoicing because as a result of my imprisonment, the gospel has been going out to all the guards, right, in Caesar's house. I think it's Caesar's house, but it's in Rome. All the guards know why Paul was there, and they know about Jesus. That's someone who has their roots deep in Christ, and if you don't have your roots deep in Christ, you don't care about those you are persecuting. You actually end up hating him. And Paul says, no, I found tremendous purpose in my persecution. I'm looking and seeing God's pull me right into this person right here who doesn't know him. It gives him endurance. Endurance. 
another thought, another purpose in this as we think about how to live in persecution is what's coming at the end of life. Jesus once said, it's a very arresting statement. He says, if you are shamed of me before people, I will be ashamed of you before the Father. That, that's such a hard, hard statement. It's black or white. It's, it brings us up to a point, a line. I know some of you who are younger students, um, children especially, it seems like, I remember back when I was in grade school, the days never seemed to end. It dragged on forever. School lasted like, even though it was only like six hours, it felt like a week, one day. It feels like life goes just so slow, and then somewhere it changes. I'm just warning you, someday it, it'll change, and all of a sudden you're going to wake up and, and years go by just so fast. And all of a sudden you start to realize, wow, this life is going to be over very soon. It's a vapor. I want to encourage you to think about this, that we don't live for this life. We live for the next, and we live for that one moment where we're before Jesus. And we have that conversation with him where he says, well done. Or he says, I, I don't know you. You, you. you rejected me. You walked away from me. You were ashamed of me. You... you part of the family. You never were. There, there's a, just a sobering truth to this that's coming towards us far quicker than we know. It's what gave so many of these disciples who follow Christ's purpose in it. It's worth it. It is worth it. It fuels endurance to stand before Christ and to hear him say, I know who you are. You're mine. You're mine. And I want, I want to just say one other thing, because there, there's another piece to this too. It's such a stark, arresting statement. If you're ashamed of me, I will be ashamed of you. And yet in the middle of this, we have Peter, the one who denied Christ three times. And yet, Jesus built his church on this guy. And so you have failure in the middle of this. You have someone who stumbled. You have someone who wasn't perfect, and yet Christ came and, and, and pulled him in still and helped him and gave him power and, and redeemed him. Does that make sense? And so I, there, there's something in here where God doesn't just quit on us and give up on us, right? Because we may not get this all perfect as we're going through this. And I just want to put that there. It has to be there somewhere, and I don't know how, how it all fits, but it fits in there somewhere. I want to leave with one last thought of how to live in persecution. If you feel helpless, if, if you read these news stories of what's going on in the church, if you look at our country, if you're going through it right now, which it's, it's happening more and more here, 
I mean, just four years ago, our Supreme Court, the majority opinion, said anyone who has this understanding about marriage that we would say comes from a biblical definition, they're bigoted, they're hateful. They're, I mean, it goes through this whole list. I'm like, well, that's, that's the church. And that's our Supreme Court majority opinion. And that's just piece of this. Peter wrote, he said, look, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him, let her glorify God in that name. He's like, if you're suffering persecution, I want you to worship. Don't, don't be ashamed, worship. Glorify God. Isn't that interesting? You want to send roots deep? Worship. Worship him. You're in the middle of a battle. You're in the middle of feeling the heat. Worship. You want to make a difference? Worship. There's this moment in, in First Chronicles. I think it's First Chronicles. I can't remember the, the, which king it is. It starts with a J. <laughs> There's a lot of kings with a J. But... Um, Ah, I want, I, I want to say it's Jehoshaphat, but I'm not sure. And I should have referenced this or got it right. But there's this moment where Israel's overwhelmed, right? And, and they're surrounded by all their enemies and, and they're toast. That's bad. Like it's really bad. And the king, he, he calls all the leaders together. He says, we got to fast. We got to pray. And so they pray. They fast. They get together. He's on his face. And then God speaks in the middle of this, goes to this one guy, a man of God. He gives this word. And he says, hey, look, I've got you, Israel. I'm going to take care of you. I've got it. You don't even have to fight. And so what does the king do? The king still rallies the army. But then he gets all the worshipers together. And he looks at the Levites and he says, you're going out in front. Here's the battle plan. You're going to go out front and you're going to praise. And you're going to worship. And we're going to fight this battle. We're going to go towards this battle and worship in faith because God's got the battle. There's a song that's going out right now. And if you've heard it, this is how I fight my battles, right? It's just 16 words. This is how I fight my battles, right? This is how my, just over and over and over again. It's from that passage. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. That's all, that, that's all that song is. This is how I fight my battles. And so what happens is Israel goes out, the worshipers are out in front, the Levites are out in front, and guess what happens? God fights the battle. God wins the battle. It's praise. It's in worship. And Peter says, look, look don't, don't worry about this. Don't, don't worry about that. This is, if this happens, don't be ashamed. Just worship. You remember that story in Acts 16? Paul and Silas are in prison. Remember that story? They're in prison, and, and about midnight, they're arrested because they believe in Jesus, and they're telling people about Jesus. And about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, Acts 16. And the prisoners, all the prisoners are listening and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors of the prison were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. And you know what happens? The jailer ends up coming to know the Lord. Everyone in jail knows something's going on because God's shaking the prison. And it comes as these two men are what? Praising the Lord. That's how we fight. 
You want to fight persecution? Worship. You want to endure in persecution? Worship. You want to have that moment where Christ says, I know who you are. Get over here. That day, worship. Praise him. Glorify him. Tell him he's worthy. He's worthy of the suffering. He's worthy of the persecution. Paul wrote, I want to become like Christ. I want to know the fellowship of sharing in his suffering, right? I want to know. I want to be just like him, Jesus. I want the full thing. I want all of it. Tell him how good he is. Even in the middle of it, tell him how good he is. Glorify him. Praise him. Invite the team to come out. We're just going to spend some time praising him. We're worshiping him. Telling him how good he is. together.
when you're in a physical battle, I've never been in one, but I would imagine that the person next to you is a strength to you and an aid to you. That as you see the person next to you shoulder to shoulder in that battle, that you feel emboldened, you feel strengthened, you feel empowered by that, just by the presence of that other person that's going through the battle with you. And I think there's a part of this that as we sing this last chorus, that we're singing praise to God, but we're singing and strengthening one another for the battle. That we're hearing each other and hearing that person's next to me and they're with me in this battle as the Lord fights for us. So let's raise our voice to him one more time that he has been good, he will be good. He's always good.
saying this maybe uh, sometime before the quarantine, that in, uh, uh, in the scripture that says, uh, surely your goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Uh, that scripture, the only time that the word follow me is used in the Old Testament, other than in that scripture, is used in a time when someone is being pursued in battle by the enemy. And yet God turns that back around in Psalm, I think it's Psalm 23, and he says, he says, no, no, the enemy's not pursuing you, it's my goodness that's pursuing you. It's my goodness that's after you. It's my goodness that's that's going to surround you and come behind you and come around you in front. And so I want to sing that one more time. I want to. Can we do that one more time before we go? That your goodness, God, your goodness is running after me. Raise our voice. Your goodness is running after. It's running after me. Sing it out. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I'm surrendered now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Come on, let's give him praise. Amen. Let's just pray real quick. Lord, would your goodness catch each person here? Those watching online. Would there just be this sacred moment where you and each person who loves you and follows you and claims you, Lord, would you just, would you hold each person? Lord, for those even just trying to figure out, I don't even know what to believe not sure what to think. Lord, would you just touch them? Would you encourage your sons, your daughters? Would you encourage those who are searching? Send us out, Lord, with you roots deeper in you, knowing how to live no matter what comes. And all God's people said, amen. I ask you to be seated. We're going to just dismiss from the, the back of the room to the front, and uh, it, we're no longer... 
passing offering plates anymore, so we just have the boxes there in the back. Um, if you want to drop that off, if you're at home and you want to pass the plate, that, that's great. I don't, I don't know how you do that at home. So maybe you've got an offering box at home. You could put it there. But uh, thank you so much. God bless you all, and uh, we'll see you next week. May God be with you.